All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, beautiful people. And happy Monday to 102.6 The Situation. Oh, man. Tiffany, I don't know about you, but I'm sad. Today is our last morning here today. Yes, this is our last summer session um, in reference to financial mindset. So, yes, this is it. It's been, this has been incredible, credible sessions. I hope you guys out there enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. Tiffany, how about you? Oh, definitely, definitely. I enjoyed it. But I just wanted to remind the listeners, my name is Tiffany Phillip, and I am from Empress Vision. And my co-host is the beautiful Shakira. Sam. I am Sam. SM Planning LLC. So we are so happy to be here today again. Tiffany, let the good folks know as they're getting ready for work and school, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, today we will be talking about group economics, specifically cooperative economics. How could we shift our mindset from thinking about things from an individual standpoint to now a community, cooperative, or group standpoint. And when I say that, I'm talking about how we spend our money, the economics within the community. Instead of looking us and looking at us as one finger, we come together as five fingers and ball our fist. Mm -hmm. And that's where the power lies, because one finger could do one thing. But when you boil five fingers up, you create a mighty blow. Yeah. And that's what grandma used to always say. Yep. Yep. I was about to say, you was watching Soul Food. Yes. That's what grandma <laughs> used to always say. That's yep, an old folk saying. Yep. You need to come together. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely agree. Because that is an issue within our community. And not to be too heavy in the morning, because I know it's Monday and people are getting ready uh, for work, you know, on their way. But you know, we were taught not to trust one another. And I think that's something that even though it happened so many years ago, it still kind of lingers within our culture, um, within our, I want to say our culture DNA, in which we have this, this mindset where we, oh, I'll do it by myself. I don't need to trust this person. And that's something that we have to let go because as I was telling Tiffany the other day, when you look at the black and wealth, the, the, the wealth gap amongst the black and white community, you know, closing that gap, I like to say, you know, my generation will help close that gap. But when we really do the math, it's going to take a little bit over 200 and something years to get at least close to what we have. And that's if you do it alone. But when you do it together, wow. like Tiffany said, that fist, that fist can make some, make some powerful blows, some powerful moves within our community. So Tiff, you have anything to say on, on, on that? Well, specifically in reference to the distrust that you was talking about, you know, that's embedded into our DNA. And if we go back, I'm sure many people have heard of the Willie Lynch letter yes. and the Willie Lynch syndrome. And for those who don't, a quick background is he was a slave owner from the West Indies and he came to Virginia, he was asked to come to Virginia because they were scared about slave revolt because we literally outnumbered them. So these owners wanted to know how was this slave master able to keep all of his slaves in line 
when he probably just had for for every hundred slave you had one overseer it's like how are you not having the revolts and he's told him he said oh i have the secret recipe and the secret recipe is to keep them divided you keep the the um the short versus the tall the old versus the young the um the light skin versus the dark skin, which we know still exists. The colorism still exists. And the most important one he said was to keep the black woman versus the black man. And mm-hmm. we still have that to this day where those divisions are there and that distrust is there. And he said, if you implement this into their um, mindset, he said, they themselves will perpetuate it. Yep for generations to come they will teach their children who will then teach their children and it's like a psychological seed that you plant and they will make sure it grows and we see 400 plus years later that he did not lie like he had the that secret formula in how to create the distrust between um between the black community and it still exists today. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but every time I hear that story, it, it's, it sends chills through my body that this is something that is so real and you can see it and everything. And I like to, I like to first know about that story because it helps me understand what I'm up against. You know, once you know what you're battling, you know how to fight it. Um, it's, it's no secret that we have this, this, uh, disadvantage when it comes to economics within our community but like Tiff, me and Tiffany we get along really well because we're both all about solutions like we we have the problem identified we know what it looks like and now we like to give solutions to people because we know that the power of cooperative economics can really really move mountains within our community you know yes. Tiffany I don't know if you heard of the um Freedom Georgia the group of friends that came together and they're yes. buying lots of land in Georgia. Um, shout out to them for that because that, that's something that was really powerful. Friends coming together and doing stuff. They have this idea that together they can do more. And right. it, yeah, we need we need more forward thinking like that. Um, right, because I think if I'm not mistaken, they bought like a hundred acres, mm-hmm. if not more, of land. And probably if they did it individually, they may have only been able to afford maybe one to two yeah. acres, if that. But coming together, now they created not just buying 100 acres, they actually created their own town. They yes. named their town. Mm-hmm. They're able to name the streets after their children or their, their last name. We always talk about living for our last name. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine your last name being on or being named as a street because this is literally your family's land. And you can leave it. We talk about generational wealth, but this is something that literally can be perpetual. Mm -hmm. Generation after generation after generation now could see their name highlighted as a street name. That's powerful. You want to talk about the psychological damage of um, what Willie Lynch did. Let's talk about what the psychological benefit of having our children see their name on the street, what it does. Yes. Yes. That's that reverse psychology where, okay, we're going to take what Willie Lynch did and we're going to reverse it to make our better. It's, it's just, it's mind blowing to me, but yeah, that what they did is, is um, we need more people like that. We need more groups like that. I know I grew up with the Susu. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But no, but if you think about it, because my family is Caribbean, 
Mine's, um, yeah. mm-hmm. my, my mom is from Grenada. My dad was born um, in Caracol, which is a little island off of Grenada. Mm-hmm. I have family from Trinidad. I have family from Barbados because my grandmother's from Barbados. So I am what they call a mix-up, mix-up. You are, you are. Yes, <laughs> I'm a part of Kalalu. You understand? So I, I, I seen it with my own eyes mm-hmm. in the community that I live in, in Brooklyn. It's... Um, is primarily Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people who came to America in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that is how they acquired their first home. Mm-hmm. They practiced group economics, but it was on a smaller level where they each will put in just say several hundred every paycheck. And each person will get, they call it quote unquote, a hand. Mm-hmm. You know, which hand do you yeah, want? Yeah. Do you want the first hand, the third hand, the last hand? And every time they would get like 10,000 or, mm-hmm. you know, 5,000. And at that time, 10 or $5,000 was a lot because yeah. mom purchased her house in Canarsie. I think it was for like $66,000. So if you had $10,000, that was about 15% down payment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you did that within just say a year or two, you was able to acquire property and a lot of people who live in my community acquire their property just by doing the susu and the partner where people save their money and was able to now get it in lump sum and purchase their homes or investment property at the time we didn't know too much about the stocks and Mm -hmm. the bonds to know to invest in companies but they did understand investment in land and investment in property and they were able to to um to, I wouldn't say master it, but they were able to really participate in it. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have a large population here in Canarsie, Brooklyn, with um, with the Caribbean population, just from I, practicing that. Yep, I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, some people be like, when I talk to people about money, they're like, oh, my parents never taught me this, but our parents did teach us stuff. We just had to, we just, is it a different, like, lens I guess you used to say you know they taught us like that's a perfect example of a cooperative economics I remember this Susu. my grandmother she was in it but she wasn't buying land she was getting hair done and doing trips and stuff mm-hmm. although way <laughs> she would have took that money and put it towards something else but the, the lesson is that they was teaching us something and now right. with all extensive knowledge and now access to um to like just this understanding investments we now have the power to collectively together to really move, 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 move our culture forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many of our listeners could relate to that. Like mm-hmm. if you think back to growing up, can you think about a time in your community that you saw group economics actually working? Like whether it was your grandmother, your aunt or your uncles coming together and either purchasing a property or either purchasing a business or creating something that was able to leave a legacy for the family, but they did it collectively and they didn't do it on an individual basis. And that is really the mindset that I think that we need for us to really start to dig our way out of this 400 year old hole that we're in. Now we didn't cause it, but we cannot keep on using it as a reason why we are the way we are. Is it a reason? Definitely. But we can't clutch onto that because nobody cares. Yeah. We can cry till our eyes bleed. No one cares. So now we have to come up with solutions and not just criticize or pinpoint the problem. Yeah. 
But we do need to acknowledge the problems to be able to find solutions for it. But for the most part, most of our conversation is pinpointing, oh, we're Black people, we can never come together. Oh, Black people. And I get that. A lot of things are correct. We don't trust each other. We don't come together. There's a lot of things that we don't do that are um, that we're supposed to be doing. But now that we know the problem, mm-hmm. what can we do from here? Yeah, it's yeah. That's that's good. It's it's a it's a lot of things that we could do from here. First thing I would like to say is that we need to understand. Um, but before you go on, I just want to go ahead and define what group economics is, because I think oh, yes, sometimes yes, we yes. just assume that everybody understands the concept. <laughs> and it's really when one group, and this is just the actual definition, when one group of people who agree to actively and consciously pursue a common economic interest to sustain and secure themselves. So I'll say it once again, group economics is when one group of people who agree to actively and consciously pursue a common economic interest to sustain and secure themselves. And if we really want to look at an example, because I'm more than sure We've seen it so many times in all of the other cultures, the the Jewish culture, the Asian culture, the Italian culture, where they practice it. They've been practicing it for decades. And we always talk about what they do. So why not mimic it? If we see that it's working and we always say, well, you know, the Jewish community, they have this and the Asian community, they do this. Well, why can't we do the same? The only difference is the distrust that we have, and you think they don't have tribal wars and ethnic wars and different um, divisions within their community? Of course they do. There's no community who don't have a division within their community because Asia is a huge continent. Within Asia, you have Korea, you have Vietnam, you have China, you have Japan, you you have all these different Asian companies, I mean, Asian countries within Mm -hmm. the community but they do try to stick together. And when you go there, you will see the segregations. You'll see the Korean community, you'll see the um, Chinese community or the Cambodia or um, the Japanese. They will stay together, but overall they identify as the Asian community. And if need be, they will come together as one collectively to be able to, to advance mm-hmm. because I'm more than sure a Chinese yeah. investor will work quicker with a Japanese, even though there's a lot of distrust because there there's a lot of history between the two countries, but they will trust a Japanese before they probably would trust a black American to do business. That's right. That's right. Because they have that in their mind that they have to work with their own, right. you know, and, you know, we all hear the, the saying that, you know, the black dollar circulates, you know, six hours within the community. The um, the Asian, I think the Asian dollar is like 19 days and Jewish is 20 days or so. But um, it's, and it's, it's not just because they only go to each other. It's more because what they spend their money on, their people produce, their people manufacture. Right. Like, right. for instance, they own the, the schools. They own the gas stations. They own the supermarkets. You know, and, and the reason why our, our dollar is not circling like they, theirs is, is because 
we don't own those things, you know? Right. You know, because as soon as we get paid, we'll go. And I'm not knocking it because I'm guilty sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get paid, we go to Popeye's. We go to KFC. We go Mm -hmm. to the pizzeria. We go to, um, even if you say, okay, well, I don't eat outside food. We still go to the local grocery store. The grocery store that's not owned by our people. Exactly. But yeah. And one thing I was, when I was working in the summer, uh, I was supposed to do the summer like a, a violence awareness. Because in New York, we have a lot of violence that's going on. My thing was that going to these bodega stores and being like, okay, we don't own you, but you have to hire our people. You know, that's another way, you know, there are different things that we can do, but understanding that, that cooperative economics, we probably could put our money together and own a supermarket. We can own more than the supermarket. If we literally, they said it's been noted time and time again, that we have $1.6 trillion in buying power. That is huge. 1.6. We move stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if we collectively have that as a community. 19 Key said it on a little clip that I heard the other day. He said, Black people vote and white people lobby. Mm hmm. They don't just give you your vote. They said, we need something in return. But collectively, they are using their money because that's what the lobbying is. I will support your campaign financially, but in return, you need to give us this. If we collectively do that, could you imagine? That's why one of my favorite books, I really think it should be a college course, Mm -hmm. is um, Powernomics. Oh, I love these. Economics by Claude, Mr. Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Claude Anderson. Oh my God. When I tell you that book is deep and it breaks it down, that he has his pyramid on, you know, the basic, basic thing is we have to get together collectively and get economic power. Then we now can change the politicians because now the politicians will listen to us. And when we change the politicians, then the laws change because the people that the politician elects is going to have to be people who's going to benefit us. Once the laws change and the court system change, then the police officers have to change how they look and treat you. Once they change, then the schools change. I mean, he has a whole pyramid and he he links how if we start with the base, which is the economic um, collectiveness Mm -hmm. um, of black people, if we come together how it shifts everything else. But that is the main core. That is the source. If we get that, then everything changes. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. So at this point, it would be like, then what what is the solution? Because we always talk about the problem. But what are the solutions? And are the solutions realistic? Like what are small actionable steps that somebody who's listening right now can Mm -hmm. say, okay, starting from today, I'm going to make a mindful, active and conscious effort to do this. What would be some of the solutions that you would, um, or I would, I would say more, what would be just certain habits that we can change? First thing I would say is, um, investing in their education to understand what exactly they need to do to change, to change their, not just their mindset, because there are 
we do need to first focus on a mindset. So we need to invest in our education as far as the mindset, invest in our education as far as what, what economic uh, tools you can start to use to get to that place. And then I would say, build a community, get around like-minded people. That's like the most important thing you need to do is you need to have your mindset shifted and changed. You need to understand what tools you have to use to get to your goals. And then you need to be in the right rooms with the right people. Those are the things that's going to help you actually with this cooperative economics, because now you're in the room with someone that has the same vision as you, that wants to build wealth like you, that wants to pass down a legacy to their family. So now you guys can bounce off ideas. Now it's not like pulling teeth and nails to get them to invest in a property together. You know, because right. if I look at my friends, you know, we don't have talks like that. It's, right. it's talks like, okay, girl, there's this this property in Georgia that I want to get is, you know, we need $10,000. Can you take your income tax check and, you know, give me, give me half of that? No, it's like a whole song and dance. But if I find someone that, has that same focus as me. And it's like, yo, Shakira, I need 5,000 for this property. Oh, I, I need, I'll, I got 5,000. Let's put it together. You know, so right. be in those, those right rooms with those right people. But first, definitely getting your mindset right and understanding right. that you have the power and the ability to, to get this done. Right. And for me, like, there's so much that could be done and some, certain things are huge that, it's easier said than done. And other things are things that we really can start doing. Like one thing is the holidays are coming up in the next couple of months. For Thanksgiving, try to find a Black-owned supermarket or a Black-owned small fruit stand, vegetable stand support. Go to a farmer's market. Try to find, because sometimes within the market, you would see actually people selling their own stuff try to go and support a black owned or just do some research. What are black owned um, supermarkets or grocery stores or food banks or anything like that, that I can support Mm -hmm. Christmas time, instead of going to the big retail stores, try to find smaller, more um, boutique type stores that you can go and support. Maybe online. Um, There's the, the Amazon equivalent, we buy black we buy black yes i love we yes. buy black yeah yeah you can go yeah, to we- let me say something whoever makes the q-tips of we buy black q-tips is all black made and it's really the bomb yes so that because the guy that was making this is like sidebar but the guy that was making a toilet paper the bamboo toilet paper mm-hmm. he stopped and it was like why because it was such a good product but that's right. my we buy black as i digress right <laughs> But but those are the things that you can do. You know, you can go to We Buy Black instead of Amazon mm-hmm. and try to find um, products there that you would be able to use. A lot of them are local people who hand make a lot of things mm-hmm. um, like soaps and oils and, and you know, shea butter and, and stuff like that that you can go and support. So mm-hmm. it's small little things that you can do. Now we have the larger things, of course, you know, try to um to start black schools and if you're not able to start a black school then find one that you can send your child to like you oh, know uh, support right that you can donate and send you know you can support because there's other ways that we can together collectively work 
you know, to this, to not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. the my black, the guy that made the toilet paper at first, he, the backstory over him is that he didn't have enough money to manufacture. And the owner, we bought, we bought black got together and they were able to help him push this product out. Now wow. he stopped. I'm not sure why he stopped, but these are things that are important when we can't buy specifically from that person. How else can we support them? Right. In other right. ways we can think about that. Right. And then, you know, to, to try to actively, because that was one of the, in the definition, I, 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 um, I made sure I stress the consciously and actively look for black business and it's hard. And then sometimes it becomes discouraging because now when you're trying to search for black businesses in your area, you realize that it's a desert. We call it food deserts, but there's a desert within the black community to find even your own. Mm -hmm. The most you'll probably find is a black owned restaurant, you know, selling soul food or they have a lot of vegan spots, but in, in order for you to not change your lifestyle, you know, beauty supply store, nail salon, hair salon, barbershops, it's hard to find. Barbershops and hair salon is, is a dime a dozen, finding yeah. it in the Black mm-hmm. community owned by Black. But when it comes to the bigger things like gas, groceries, things Clean that you actually need, toiletry. Spend our money on, yeah. We need to. That's hard to find. But we can make a conscious effort to actively look for Black-owned stores or Black owners in your community that you can go ahead and support. Um, Of course, hiring hiring Black workers if you own a Black business, Mm -hmm. Um, trying to find a Black bank that you can open your account with, because Mm -hmm. that's a huge, huge thing. Yes, it is. Um, some people like um, the community garden idea where you create the community garden to be able to sell food. I mean, yeah, to be able to um, give food to the community because it is a, a food desert in a lot of places. So there's so many things that we can actually do to really try to collectively do it. I just feel that we sell ourselves short. And we need to recognize that we are forced to be reckoned with. And once we do that, we will see change. But we have to, have to come together collectively instead of individually to really, really, really see a difference. And even understand that we, we have to learn how to be resourceful with our resources. Yes. Like, you know, we may not have, you know, what the other people have. We have each other. We have the lessons from our ancestors and those before us, and we just got to tap into that power and get it done. Yes, yes, yes. But we can do it. We can do it. We just really have to make a conscious effort just to change us and shift our mindset from individual to collective. And probably you can even start with your family. Just try to have a family trust or a family business, a family store, something that you guys could do together. You pull together and buy yourself a property. Um, You pull together and start investing in uh, individual stocks. Um, you, You find one person who is great at one thing and then we pour into their passion and, and help them get to the next level. And they then, in turn, could help us get to the next level. 
but it's possible. It really is possible. Um, but at this time, I we sadly have to end our summer series with the financial mindset. And I've had a blast working with you, Sakira. I've had a blast with my 102.6 listeners. And I really do appreciate you guys taking the time out in your busy schedule in the morning to sit down and listen with Tiffany Phillip from Empress Vision. And I am Sam. Such great conversations. Hopefully, guys, you can tap in and let them know you want us to come back again because we'll be more than happy to yes well thank you once again guys and i wish you the best on your path to success um i hope that we have at least planted seeds that are able to flourish because we really do want to see you succeed because if you succeed we succeed so we thank you once again And God bless you.